Hi everybody and welcome to the Sensory Matters podcast. Instead of Jamie today, we have Roxy. Roxy, say yo. Oh. Today, Jenny is chatting to Jodie from Geek Club Books. So this is going to be a really good podcast. Also this week, we've still got the three for two offer running on the VIC memberships. If you want any more information about that, please just send us a message and we are happy to help. So, I'm going to have a listen to this and let you know what I think in a bit. See you soon. Bye. We love a net and we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of your frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory natters. You know what? Right, hi everyone, it's Jenny here and it's another Sensory Matters show and today I've got another guest from over the pond um, over in San Francisco and that is Jodie from Geek Club Books. Hi Jodie, how are you doing? Hi, hi everyone. <laughs> um, so Jodie, um, well, has been in the, the, the sensory world for, for quite a few years. We spoke a good few years ago in, in fact um, so I think the best thing to do is to start at the very beginning. Tell us your story. What is Geek Club Books? How did it come about? Oh, okay. Well, I was just thinking about that, and um, I can't believe it's it was probably around 2012, 2013. Boy, time flies, doesn't yeah. it? Um, and um, so my background is for uh, many, many years, I have been a freelance marketing specialist. Okay. And so I worked um, way back when, when I first had uh, Jonathan and I have a, a younger, uh, he has a younger sister, um, Molly. But when I had Jonathan, my first um, it was back when um, you, there wasn't anything like a, a flex day or job sharing or anything like that. But I had a very forward thinking boss who um, worked it out so that I could come back to work on my terms and it launched my freelance career. Okay. And so I worked with companies in tech, um, in fitness, and then um, in the no decade before I started Geek Club Books, I was working in high-end luxury lifestyle market. And I was writing for a magazine here, and I was helping um, high-end interior designers with their um, marketing and publicity and things. And one day I woke up and I thought, you know, this is all about stuff. Yeah, I'm writing about stuff. I'm around stuff. It's beautiful stuff. And I'm somebody who loves a beautiful environment and yeah. think that is really important. But it was just about stuff. And right around that time, um, Jonathan, who um, is on the autism spectrum, and he is a voice actor. And so um, in the last few years, he's become uh, a union member. So that's very exciting for him. Yeah. But at the time, he was struggling. So he does what he does really well. And when he gets a job, he goes in super professional. Um, he's sort of known for maybe taking one take. 
um, very comfortable in that environment, uh, very comfortable doing auditions. What was really hard for him was managing all the auditions. Okay. Um, so many come in, they come in, in the, um, 11th hour, you know, the night before. Yeah. And you know, that doesn't work well with the autistic brain. Yeah. So, um, and he was, he's also somebody who verbally communicates really well. Uh, and so handling all of the correspondence over email, things like that, um, so I decided to, uh, bid a fond farewell to all my clients and he became my client. Okay. So I worked with him. I set up a website. I, um, interfaced, he, you know, gave me permission to kind of get all of his email and help him sort through the ones that were important. Yeah. And it was sort of a, it was a part of that, Jenny, that I started asking myself, like, what could we do that we could control? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that we could do that could really showcase his talents? And it was something that we could control because you just never know when you're going to get an audition and you don't know when you're going to get a job. Yeah. So um, I came up with the idea. We're right in the middle we're right between, uh, halfway between San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And it was right around the time, like the app explosion. Mm. So I thought, why don't we tell his story? You know, he's always had this great imagination. He's had a very um, interesting life. And uh, my daughter's also very creative. And so I commissioned her to write a children's story found a tech um, who, and found an illustrator, mm -hmm. and we created our first children's story app, which was called The Mighty League, The Terrible Taunting. So we released it on the App Store. Um, this was the end of 2013, yeah. and we released it on the App Store, and uh, I had already created a website for Geek Club Books and was interacting and building community. And so when we released it, I was overwhelmed with the response. You know, people saying this is the first time my child's seeing a character that they can relate to. Yeah. Um, you know, teachers saying, I want to bring this into the classroom. And so I really thought, wow, I think I have a bigger mission here yeah. and applied for and became a nonprofit the end of 2014. Yeah. And so that's when Geek Club Books officially became a nonprofit. Yeah. And we, you know, tell the stories of autism using pop culture and technology to really engage the public and to learn that um, all about autism yeah. and also to learn that it's not something to be feared and the autistic have, you know, do not need to be ashamed that they are on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I found it interesting on your website, the stats for America being one in 59 children are diagnosed with autism, whereas in the yes. UK it's one in 100 so that's, you know, yep. significantly more in the States. But also that 70%, you, you're saying as well, experience a kind of an emotional trauma or as a result being bullied. 
Um, yes. And, and you mentioned that your son experienced this. So if it's OK, I'd like to talk about Jonathan a bit in terms of like, when did you start to question whether he was autistic? At what point in his life and and how has his life transitioned from child to adult? Um, yeah. And all, all of that kind of your story of autism yourself. Yeah. Um, well, he gives me permission to talk about him in this way. Um, so he was born and both he and I actually, uh, do presentations together where he, he pretty much tells his story and then I pop in as, um, his, uh, parent support mm. and sort of talk to parents about what we did as parents to kind of help him at every yeah. um, stage of his life. So he was born in 85. And back then, at least here in the States, there wasn't much known about autism. Um, the probably the only thing that uh, you knew about autism was um, there was a television show called St. Elsewhere. It was a medical show. Okay. And the chief of the uh, hospital had a son who was severely autistic, non nonverbal. Okay. Um, but I knew at two because he did really interesting things. He would pace around a table and he would, what I now know is stemming, yeah. and he would kind of be in his world, and I'd say, hey, buddy, wh what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm just doing an episode. And so in his mind, he talks about it now that he's reliving, um, he loved television and cartoons and animation, and yeah. he would be making up these stories in his head. Um, he would take trucks and cars, and instead of just playing with them regularly, he'd flip them over and put them right up to his head and spin the wheels and watch them. Yeah. So when I'd go to the doctors um, and talk to them, I'd say, hey, you know, could he be autistic? And they'd say, nope, can't be autistic. He's, you know, answers our questions, he talks to us. And so I just, you know, kept that in the back of my mind. And once he started um, preschool, I noticed he wasn't developing in the same way as the other kids were. Okay. And so I asked the preschool teacher, who was just amazing, and I said, I can't help him if you don't tell me the truth. You know, can you please tell me, do you see things that, I just need to investigate. And uh, so she observed him and she said yes. And then the first thing that we support we really got him was occupational therapy. Okay. And so from there he went to school and socially um, he struggled. And it was there that at his first school where the kids would um, – would, especially the boys, would really kind of bully and tease him. Um, and like a good example is uh, that we talk about was he had he had a thing where if you touched him, he had to touch you back. Okay. So um, so the kids picked up on that mm -hmm. and they would touch him and run away. And okay. he would it would work him into a um, you know, he into a frenzy. Yeah. 
And so the, the thing about Jonathan was I could, I was just so in tune with him and he and I would talk and we'd strategize together and I'd say, okay, what if somebody touches you and you just touch something that was next to them, like the table mm. or something like that? And he'd be like, okay, mommy, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try that. And so he would, he would do those things and then all of a sudden it wasn't an issue anymore. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing was, uh, academically, uh, he had some learning challenges. Um, again, if he, we had him tested and the, the learning specialist said, if he has as much time as he wants on an exam Mm -hmm. and he can get up and move around, he's on the high end of the bell curve. Yeah. If he has to sit in his seat and he's timed, he's on the low end of the bell curve. So it just said to me that the environment that he was in was not a good situation for him. And so I started looking for a new school. You know, back then, people really didn't homeschool. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least here, they didn't homeschool. So I searched and searched and I came up with a school that was for different learners and it was eight kids to a teacher and they, they learned things like if they were studying Egypt, they would mummify a chicken, (laughs) um, not a live chicken, you know, a chicken that was from the butchers. Um, and they, they did experiential things. And not only that, when it came to test time, they would, um, he could give a speech. Somebody else in his uh, class, if they were good art, they could do an art project. Yeah. So they allowed the kids to learn in the way that they learned best. And it was there that he just thrived. Um, and then the other significant milestone was because he was there in a safe environment where people accepted him for who he was and not only accepted him, genuinely just thought he was the greatest. Um, he showed ability in acting. And so I got him involved in community theater and that was um, a game changer for him. And it was a course to college and taking voice classes. And, um, you know, it's just it really those are the things that really helped him soar. And what I learned from that was when he's when he was in an environment where people really cared for him and accepted him for who he was he thrived. You know, when you're a parent, you love your child unconditionally, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be able to grow and change. You grow and change when you can accomplish something on your own and the pride that you feel. And he felt valued and he felt like he could contribute something. So that was really a game changer for him. Yeah, and then from there, obviously, led into the the voice acting roles and and yes. so on. So the other thing that you you say on your website is that that quite often there's a an unemployment issue um, challenge for people on the spectrum. 
Um, tell me more about that. I mean, what what do you know of that? Why does that exist? Well, I think I think it's changing because I think that um, I heard something that uh, John Robeson said in a speech. You know, John Robeson. Yeah, do you know him. who he is? Yeah. yeah. Um, he's got a brilliant book, his first book, look me in the eyes, which is about his journey. He has an amazing journey, but he said that, you know, a lot of our institutions, um, are not made for the autistic, uh, the autistic mind. And so, you know, they've really kind of been marginalized. And then what happens with employers is, you know, nobody really understands it. And so they don't kind of give those opportunities and, you know, you don't, they don't really thrive in sort of current, uh, ways that you interview for, um, for jobs. So companies like Microsoft and um, SAP are really trying to change that. And there's a lot of organizations that are really working to change the way, you know, recognizing that um, a neurodiverse mind is important part of work culture. And by just changing some of the things that we do for those individuals that they can really thrive in the work environment. Um, And then I think there's a movement towards people who, if their child doesn't have a skill set or something that would be good in a particular workplace, people Mm -hmm. are starting their own companies. Um, And for me, for Geek Club Books, Um, we work with the autistic creative. So um, we try to uh, mentor and and really acknowledge those, you know, the the comic artist, the voiceover, uh, filmmakers, writers, and uh, the work that we do at Geek Club Books, uh, all the work I do is pro bono. Mm -hmm. And every penny that I can raise goes towards paying our autistic contributors. Because I remember the first time I got a check for an article I wrote in a magazine, um, it was just so empowering. Like, wow, somebody paid me for something <laughs> I creatively wrote. Yeah, uh, It was so empowering. So you know, you can imagine just a regular artist of any kind it's a struggle to make a living. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you're autistic, the networking and all the things that you have to do can be a challenge. So we really sort of specialize in working with, um, and giving opportunities to the autistic creative. Fantastic. So yeah, it's, it's certainly something that I'm picking up on more is companies are becoming much more aware of it and doing more, to be more accommodating and I think the challenge is the whole slightly hidden disability thing isn't it that you know if someone's in a wheelchair yes a company knows what to do um but the autism spectrum is so vast and varied and every individual is so different that it's a bit of a minefield for them to work through what's going to work for that person and then you've obviously have the people that know nothing and just you know maybe eye contact isn't happening in an interview or something but they don't understand why and it doesn't it's not a reflection on that person's skill set or talents so 
although I think things are improving, there's there's still an awful lot of work to be done. So yes. in terms of um, Geek Club books, then you, you, you're basically giving the opportunity to creative people on the spectrum to create their work. And then do you go out and try and pitch it to people as, as articles as in press? Is that how it works? No, we're so what what um, <coughs> we are currently doing is we have um, different projects or programs and we you know, so Geek Club Books has evolved mm-hmm. um, and it's really we subscribe to the nothing about us without us. Um, kind of way of operating, yeah. which means that everything we do has autistic individuals involved. Um, maybe sometimes they're just advisors. Yeah. Uh, and so we are, um, for example, we have a, a program called Blueby TV, the Autism Information Station. And these are short little videos that educate children about autism. And we, um, I have a, an autistic filmmaker who's just a brilliant script writer and he writes the scripts, um, and we work together, get them edited. We have them reviewed to make sure that whatever we say is clinically correct. Um, and then he does all the filming and he, hosts the show. Okay. Uh, and then Jonathan is the voice of every, every show has a blueby pal, uh, which is a plushie that is, uh, its mouth moves when you send audio through it. Okay. And so he does the voice of the characters. Um, and then we release those and then do, um, episode guides and things that, educators and parents can download to go with, you know, we allow people to, you can view them on our website, you can view them on YouTube, but you can also download the videos and the guides and use them as you see fit. So, um, and then we've taken like our digital comics and turned them into an, a school assembly. So we're going out to different schools and I have an autistic team who is presenting. And it's just amazing when you can put autistic individuals in front of either children or educators or people in the public, and they can have these dialogues and conversation. I really think we're trying to address what you just said. We're trying to kind of break the stigma to get people to think differently and open the door to all kinds of opportunities for um, people on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you do you do quite a lot in terms of for educators as well, in terms of the information that you provide and trying to just raise awareness and understanding across lots of different areas, really, isn't it? But making sure that that story is being told by the people who have autism. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, they've heard from. They've for so many years they've heard from us, the parents. Yeah. They've heard from medical professionals. Yeah. Um, I think it's time that they've heard from the actual individuals who are having that life experience. Yeah. Uh, and they have important things to to say. And so if 
if I, through Geek Club Books, can give them unique ways to express themselves through a comic, through uh, one of the things we did was uh, we had uh, Rebecca Burgess, who is a, a UK comic artist. Okay. She's brilliant. And I commissioned her and we have quotes from different autistic individuals and we turned it into here our spectrum of voices uh, comic with the quotes. So those are the kinds of things that we do. And I think what happens is that it makes the conversation more approachable. Yeah. Um, it sort of takes away the stigma um, and you know, it, it makes it in something that people in the public are, are interested in consuming and, and looking at. And then for us, it's like, we just want people to be curious. Yeah. We want them to kind of have those conversations and we really want autistic individuals to just be proud of who they are. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. And what about the Zoom magazine? That's the other thing that you do as well, isn't yeah. it? Yes. So yeah, Zoom Autism Magazine, um, I co-founded with two other uh, women, Sharon Fuentes and uh, Sharon Cummings. And at first we did it, it wasn't a part of Geek Club Books, um, and we did it as a digital, like a flip magazine. Uh, And then last, well, this year, yeah, the beginning of this year, um, it just wasn't viable anymore. That takes I, the first couple I did all of the layout um, and it just takes hours and hours to do. And, and then um, I really needed to focus on Geek Club Books. So the two Sharons took it over and they had a graphic designer do it. And it just it takes a lot of time. So yeah. Um, we brought it back into Geek Club Books. It's part of our nonprofit, and we changed it into more of a blog format. So we have a template, and when we release an issue, still has a cover. Um, it, It links you to all the articles, but the important change by bringing it under Geek Club Books is we have, um, an autistic editor and we mentor the editor. So they kind of get to determine the content. Um, All the writers, if you're autistic, you get a writer contract. Everybody gets paid for their work. Um, And so that's, that's kind of the biggest change. Mm -hmm. And right now it comes out quarterly. So we're hoping to have it come out more often, but it's just, we don't have enough, resources to be able to um, do it on a on a more regular basis on a, yeah yes yes yeah yeah <laughs> so you must do you have a big queue around the corner of people wanting to get involved and write content and create stuff for you do you have to be selective because I would imagine this is something that loads of people want to get yeah into. it ebbs and flows okay Um, and it's really then specific to, um, you know, if it fits within some of the projects or programs that we're doing. Uh, and then I feel so strongly that if, so if you are a, an autistic author and you've come out with a book, 
Mm-hmm. We will do an interview, feature an interview with you and put it on our on our site and share it across our social channels. Um, I think if you if you Google search, at least here uh, in America, if you Google search books by autistic authors, we're number ours comes up number one. Um, so we we get them a lot of of attention. Yeah. And then people who uh, have written books about autism, I just had my, um, and if you're neurotypical, we'll cover your book if you, if you align with our guidelines. Okay. And I just had, we're just in the process of um, pulling together something. I had our autistic advisors create a checklist for me of what's important. So things like identity first, mm-hmm. um, you know, avoiding certain terminology, ableism, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so uh, we do that. And then that, if you get featured, of course, you don't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. But if you are an autistic writer, you know, I won't have you do anything unless I could pay you, you know, that's really important to me. So that's where, um, that's always a challenge. The fundraising and things like that, um, are always a challenge to be able to, you know, allow more writers and voices. Um, but, um, yeah, so it kind of ebbs and flows and, and in terms of other people, if we write something that um, really benefits them, then um, we don't feel like they need to be um, paid for that. So we can we can feature and uh, feature them. Um, so yeah, did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you have, you have on your website the opportunity for people to donate as well, don't you? Mm-hmm, which yes, is lovely. And then you've also got your take action section, which offers different opportunities to people. So how could people get involved other than being a writer? What else could they do other than being a writer and donate? What else yeah. could they do? Well, we had a, a several, uh, a very successful uh, public information campaign uh, that we launched last year year. It was about a year ago where I reached out to, uh, voice actors. Um, we actually had a couple actors on Broadway, um, autistic advocates, authors who did the short selfie videos where they activated their voices for autism. And along with that, that's when I commissioned Rebecca to do the spectrum of voices comic, and we, we did a whole campaign. It was so successful. That's ongoing. So on our website where it says take action, mm-hmm. there are some things that you can do if you want to, you know, activate your voice for autism and we'll, you know, we'll feature you and, and share that and continue to build that campaign. Um, and then um, just, I would just encourage people to poke around our website and if something's of interest to, to reach out and, um, you know, we can have a conversation about it, uh, especially about, you know, one of the things I'm working on now that I'm really excited about, I was inspired by one of our writers in the current issue of zoom 
It's about autistic trailblazers. And one of the uh, women who wrote, she wrote about a neurodiversity library. And her story uh, is that she was diagnosed with autism when her son was diagnosed. And she, um, which often happens, yeah. doesn't it? It happens to women. Um, and so she was so, uh, she went to the library to try to get some information. And what she found was there was nothing that featured any autistic voices. Everything was about struggling with autism mm -hmm. or parents cope with autism, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of terminology. Yeah. So she got the idea and created a neurodiversity library. Yeah. It's a great article and she, and in it, there's links to the neurodiversity, um, other libraries. So I thought, we need that here in the Bay Area. Yeah. And so I um, talked to one of the librarians and it just so happened they had a grant come in and we're working together and now all of San Mateo County will have neurodiversity corners in their, um, in the libraries and we'll, and we're setting up an online portal because a lot of great information is online. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I'll be working with them, um, hopefully, on a speaker series. So we'll have different voices and things. And again, it's putting people in connection with the public to really kind of have these kind of dialogues and, yeah. and, uh, and start to see that, you know, differences and all we're really all the same at heart yeah absolutely brilliant it's 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 so good it's just it's just awesome stuff um so for you you know your your life from when you first became a parent to now is just never where you imagined it would have gone um and uh, the adaption that you've made through your life to support your son but also find your passion it's it's like you found your 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 heart, your soul, and what's really really important to you, um, which is is like destiny, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, I knew he was um, special, uh, and I knew we were going to be on an interesting journey. Mm -hmm. um, but I never, you know, it's he's been life changing for me. Yes. You know, I think I'd be a different person if I didn't have Jonathan. Yeah. He's allowed me, I think, to be somebody who's more um, open to all different kinds of viewpoints, mm -hmm. somebody who is more definitely more flexible um, and, you know, just uh, more compassionate for others and to know that. Um, especially you speak about hidden disability, that mm. to really sort of step back when I see people and say, you know, there's a story behind that. Yeah. You know, they may be acting that way, um, but there's either, there's something going on that we don't know that story and to be a little bit more compassionate and um less judgmental yeah so it's you know i i thank him every yeah. day yeah. yeah plus he's so much fun to be around i'm so 
excited when I get an opportunity to work with him. Yeah. He does our um, a lot of our voiceover, and he is just so good at speaking. So, like I said, we do we do a lot of speaking engagements together, and it's it's such a joy to watch him. Yeah, brilliant. Well, my final thing was going to be if you if you had to kind of message to the world that you wanted to get across what would it be what's your what's you know I suppose what you want the world to look like in five years time if you could um I envision a world where autistics are fully valued accepted and have a voice brilliant which is just at the very heart of what geek club books is about um, so fantastic, very interesting stuff, and thank you very much for your time. If people want to look you up, it's geekclubbooks.com, and you're also on all the usual social channels Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube channel with some of your videos and things as well. So, definitely worth looking up. Um, so, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. I'm sure people will get a lot out of that. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay then, so that was Geordie from Geek Club Books. Really enjoyed that podcast um, because I could see a lot of similarities between Jonathan and Jamie and the fact that being in the right environment can help anybody to thrive and that's what I've noticed with Jamie. So when she's gone to her residential school, she's absolutely thrive, thriving and this is what's happened with Jonathan as well. Um, smaller class sizes, it's just all, all it, it's common sense basically. But we hope you enjoyed that. And we'll see you again next week for another Century Matters podcast. And don't forget, throughout January, you can still get that three for two on VIC memberships. Bye. You know what?